Middle East on the brink, North Korea on the brink, Iran increasing its aggression, elections in Taiwan. Look, there's a lot of global instability as we ourselves plunge into primary season. How have you sheltered your savings and investments from potential major setbacks to the economy? You think it can happen here? It can happen here, but it's not too late to diversify an old IRA or 401k into gold. And Birch Gold Group can help you with that. Birch Gold is the only gold company I trust. As opposed to many other investments, Gold thrives in times of uncertainty. It is an important part of diversifying your savings. Now listen, here's how Birch Gold can help make it a part of yours. Birch Gold will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold. And it doesn't cost you a penny out of pocket. You want to learn more? Just text SAVAGE to 989898 for a free info kit. S-A-V-A-G-E, text it to 989898 and you get a free info kit. It costs you nothing. Just text SAVAGE to 989898. With an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, countless five-star reviews, and thousands of happy customers, I encourage you to arm yourself with the knowledge of diversification through precious metals. Protect yourself. Text SAVAGE to 989898 and claim your free info kit. Protect your savings with gold. Do it now. Text SAVAGE to 989-898. Thank you very much. Birch Gold is the only gold company I trust. Text SAVAGE to 989-898. Warning, the Savage Nation contains adult language, adult content, psychological nudity. Listener discretion is advised. And now, the world's most exciting podcast, The Savage Nation, home of borders, language, culture. And here he is, New York Times best-selling author and National Radio Hall of Fame inductee, Michael Savage. Let's never forget, talk radio is supposed to be a bit of show business. And it doesn't mean you have to lie to be in show business. It means you have to entertain the people you are talking to. When you turn it into a high school civics class in the back rooms of Brooklyn, what you do is you reduce talk radio to a dirge that nobody wants to listen to anymore. And I'm not going to do it. So I'm going to talk about topics that I think are entertaining and very important. And to me, there is no bigger topic right now than national security. But we don't have an issue with national security. Trump seems to have that one zipped up pretty good. Uh, the Islamists amongst us are hiding somewhere. I don't know what they're doing. But the big problem is the debt, which I've been trying to talk about. The debt is tw- the deficit is 25% higher since election. Go look at the Drudge Report. Whether you like it or not, Matt Drudge does in many ways determine the news cycle. And his headlines are debt piles up, deficit 25% higher since election. Now, I'm going to ask you what I asked on Twitter. Who do you blame? You know, you say, well, we blame Obama. We blame the Democrats. Well, not so fast. I'm sorry. A president has veto power over a budget. Do you know that? Yes, it's true that Obama ran up the debt. We know that. But uh, it's run up 25% higher since the election. Why is that? Whatever happened to fiscal conservatism? It used to be an issue for conservatives. Many of you declare yourself to be not social but fiscal conservatives. And yet you have nothing to say about the out-of-control government spending. So I'm going to ask you if that's the most important problem to you, uh, making America's deficit great again. Are you worried about government spending anymore? Who do you blame, Trump, Congress, or both? We're also going to talk about Omar the Terrible. That's the congresswoman whose family was rescued as asylees from Somalia who hates this nation. Every day she gives a speech hating the country. What a story that is. Then there's occasional cortex who is complaining that Pelosi is giving her busy work to keep her out of the spotlight. I wonder who's going to win that battle. I thought Nancy was tougher than that, but it looks to me like this loudmouth from Westchester is just liable to get the best of uh, the genius from Pacific Heights. Who do you think is going to win the battle? Occasional Cortex or Nancy Ravioli? This is the Savage Nation, 855-407-282. So here are the responses on my Twitter feed of who do you blame for this out-of-control spending. Uh, Joshua Leibowitz says, both the president, both, I blame both the president and Congress. He said, the president does not seem concerned about the rising debt, does not want to get spending under control. It is very troubling. Is there a candidate out there that will actually cut the government? It's crucial to the survival of the country. Another man named RJ says, I concluded years ago that no one cares because the insiders know that the debt can never and will never be paid back, so we'll keep borrowing until the system collapses and the reset takes place 
Another one says, Cindy Rodriguez says, dead on autopilot. Past point of no return. Would have risen no matter who was in office. Will continue to rise no matter who was in office. No one cares about our children's future anymore. Uh, Scalper FX says, I blame both. The banks have a firm grip on our leaders and we allow it to happen. Well, let me ask the average person out there a couple of questions. If you fail to make car payments, is your car repossessed? You bet it is, so there is still repossession out there. If you fail to make mortgage payments for a certain number of months, don't you lose your house? Yes, the banks take your property, your house, your business, so there's repossession. You buy expensive electronics like a new, very expensive TV system, and you make payments for one month and then you stop making them. Will it be repossessed? Yes, it'll be repossessed. So why is our government not repoed? Who owns the American national debt? I have the answers to that. I'll give you the exact answers of who owns who owns the federal debt. You'll never believe it when I read it to you. I will also read you the top 10 recipients of U.S. foreign aid. You're not going to be surprised by this uh, when you find out that we're, up, uh, we're holding up Africa and the Middle East like we don't have our own problems here. That's another problem. And then there's the out-of-control government spending itself. Do you know that in the month of December, if agencies in the federal government have not spent their entire budget, do you know what they do? They go on an insane spending spree. They buy things they don't need. You know why? Because if they come up at the end of the year not spending the amount of money that they were appropriated, they don't get the same amount next year. So they make sure they spend more than they got from the year before. That has to stop. So we're going to talk about that. If you think that's the most important problem, uh, I'll take your calls here at 855-400-7282. But I will ask you this. What do you feel is the most important story out there that no one is talking about today in talk radio? What is the number one thing bothering you today that is not being talked about anywhere? So who owns America's national debt? Well, you're not going to be surprised Uh, that China owns a lot of it. You heard about that. As of 2018, China owned $1.8 trillion of U.S. debt. Japan owned $1.03 trillion. That is more than one-third of foreign holdings. Did you know that? We knew China owned a lot of the debt. And in what form do they own it? Well, I'll tell you that as as, as well. But the public holds a lot of the national debt uh, of right now it's $22 trillion. Obama left a $20 trillion deficit. Trump ran it up to $22 trillion in only three years. It's out of control. It's spinning out of control like King Ludwig here. Something is wrong. Something is so wrong, and somebody's going to have to pay the piper. You know, the stock market has never been higher. The stock market is going crazy, and yet people have stopped buying stocks. Did you know that? So who? where's this coming from? Even though the stock market is going crazy, people have backed out of the stock market. What's going on with that? Well, China owns some of the debt. Japan owns a lot of the debt. That's because they outtraded us before Trump came along. The Federal Reserve holds $2.5 trillion. Mutual funds, $1.8 trillion. State and local governments, including the pension funds, hold over a trillion dollars. Private pension funds hold $600 billion. Banks hold $674. I won't read you all the numbers. Plenty of people hold our debt, and in what form? They hold it in treasury bills. Do you have T-bills? notes, bonds, but also in Treasury inflation-protected securities and special state and local government series securities. And as you can see, if you add up the debt held by Social Security and all the retirement and pension funds, almost half of the U.S. Treasury debt entrusts for you and your retirement in Social Security. What would happen if the United States were the default on its debt? Tell me what would happen. Remember in the past... Argentina defaulted on its debt. What happened? Nothing. We, we wrote it off. Do you remember we wrote it off and they went on like nothing happened? The same exact government went on like nothing happened. If the United States was suddenly to declare default on its debt, sure, foreign investors would be angry, but the uh, number one people who would be hurt by it would be retirees because the Social Security would be wiped out. Think about that one. Now, who are the top 10 recipients of U.S. foreign aid? What about that? And what about the billions of dollars that are sent every month to Mexico by workers from Mexico who pay no taxes on it? How many years ago did I, Michael Savage, tell you that every transfer by Western Union, every transfer should be taxed with a transfer fee? I was the one who said it. Nobody else. How come I never got credit for it? 
How come I'm the outcast of the empire? How come no one listens to me in the government? Why? Because my ideas are too real and they hurt too much. You see, if you don't have shoe polish on your tongue, you are not welcome. Well, I have no shoe polish on my tongue. I only have the truth on my tongue. And I'm telling you that it's so easy. It is so easy to start this process that it's not funny. But why don't they have the political will to do so? Trump could do it with the stroke of a pen. He could do this tomorrow. He could say, because of all the money going to Mexico, Guatemala, El Salvador, Nicaragua, and all these other countries that are bleeding us dry with their immigrants, we got to get the money back somehow. What we're going to do is we're going to put a transfer fee on all money sent overseas. I don't care where it goes, not just to those countries. There's going to be a transfer fee on every transfer that they send to their home country. And that would mean any country. And uh, that would generate trillions of, well, I don't know, trillions, probably tens of billions of dollars immediately. So why are we not hearing about that? And what is the biggest story to you that I am not talking about? I'm going to be with you live for two hours today. If I don't get to you right now, I'll get to you in the next uh, segment or the next hour. And then I have a special surprise for you in the next hour. I found an author who wrote a great book called The Siege of Tel Aviv. Called, it's called The Siege of Tel Aviv by Hesh Keston, former IDF officer. It's an interesting novel for a number of reasons. It was, it was reviewed very favorably by many, including Stephen King. Big blurb on the cover by Stephen King. But this author was banned from a conference in Europe when they found that he was Jewish. That's right. We're entering a new dark age in Europe, and let's pray to God that it doesn't infect the United States of America by controlling the four anti-Semitic haters in Congress. Savage. Hey, here's a question. How did you sleep last night? Did you spend the night tossing and turning, worrying? Now, look, if you're struggling to get a good night's sleep, you've got to try a purple mattress. The founders of Purple are two brothers who have been developing cushioning technology for 30 years on things like medical beds, wheelchairs. Well, in 2016, they finally decided to use their patented comfort technology to create Purple, the world's most scientific mattress. Now, what does that mean? How is Purple different from other mattresses? Listen, the Purple mattress will probably feel different than anything you've ever experienced. Why? Because it uses the brand new material that was developed by an actual rocket scientist. It was not like the memory foam that I'm used to or you're, you're used to. No, no. The purple material, the purple material feels unique because it's both firm and soft at the very same time. So it keeps everything supported while still feeling really comfortable. Plus, it's breathable. Unlike foams, it's breathable so it sleeps cool. It ends up giving you the zero gravity like feel so it works for any sleeping position. Okay. Hundred night risk free trial. You're not satisfied? You can return your mattress for a full refund. It's backed by a 10-year warranty, free shipping and returns, free at-home setup, old mattress removal. You ready? You're going to love Purple. And right now, my listeners will get a free Purple pillow with the purchase of a mattress. That's in addition to the great free gifts they're offering site-wide. Just text SAVAGE to 84-888. The only way to get this free pillow is to do this. You ready? Text SAVAGE to 84-888. That's S-A-V-A-G-E to 84888. Text S-A-V-A-G-E to 84888. S-A-V-A-G-E to 84888. Message and data rates may apply. All right, so the topic today is how do you feel about a deficit 25% higher than when Trump took office? Do you blame him? Do you blame Congress? You blame both? We are mortgaging our children's future. We heard that over and over again when Obama was president. The uh, loudmouths in the conservative media would not stop. Well, he's mortgaging. He's mortgaging our children's future. He's a Democrat. Tax and spend, tax and spend, tax and spend. So now that we're spending more than under Obama, suddenly you went dumb. The lights went off. Nothing. Zero. Well, I'm sorry. I'm equ- I call it like I see it. No one else does in the media nobody so let's start with where we could raise some money first of all let's cut some money in one of my books i said we could begin by cutting every government department by 10 percent a year in in cost they just eat it that's all you don't like it then take take a walk quit cut the federal government cut the spending cut the budget by going right into every department and except for frontline combat troops Cut the expenditures by 10%. You're telling me those federal bureaucrats are going to find another job elsewhere? Please don't believe the lie 
that in order to keep the best, we've got to pay them high salaries. Nonsense. If you ever knew how much money some of these clowns were making, your, your hair would stand up. So cut every federal job's uh, cost by 10% by cutting their salary. That's number one. What about foreign aid? I know it's a touchy subject because when the word Israel comes up, everyone goes dead on me. But I'll read it anyway. Who are the top 10 recipients of U.S. foreign aid? Israel. This is in 2018. It's higher now. Israel gets $3 billion a year. Egypt gets $1.3 billion a year. Jordan gets $1 billion a year. We blow almost a trillion dollars a year in Afghanistan. And that's not including military costs. That's just giving the warlords money to keep them from going over to the Taliban. Kenya, 639 million. Tanzania, 500 million. Uganda, Zambia, Nigeria, Iraq. So you say, well, what would happen if we stopped giving them foreign aid? Israel's a booming economy right now. They have a booming economy. They have a high-tech industry. They have, they're doing great. Why do they need our money? Tell me why they need our money. It's just something they've been getting for years when they were a foundling nation. But they're not a foundling nation anymore. Why should we be supporting all of these countries when we have bums laying in the gutter by the thousands, if not tens of thousands, I was in San Francisco yesterday after the show. And I'll tell you again, you think you've heard it all, but you haven't heard it all. The mayor of this city should be in prison right now for what she has allowed to happen. If I named restaurants that are going out of business because of the bums and the fecal matter and the filth, the garbage in the streets of the city, you would actually be more shocked than you already are. It's become an international disgrace, San Francisco, under this doofus moron mayor that they dug up from somewhere. I don't know where they got her from. How did she get away with it? I'm sorry. She's a double minority. Sorry. Sorry. I have to tell you like it is. We used to have great mayors in this city. And it wasn't too long ago that we had fiscally responsible mayors in this city. And it wasn't too long ago that we had street sweepers in this city. And it wasn't too long ago that we had trucks that went down the streets with, with like washing machine brushes. When I grew up in New York, they had trucks that went down the street with, uh, with water, huge water trucks with brushes on a regular basis. Where'd those trucks go? They still exist. Why don't they use them to clean up the garbage in the streets? Has anyone looked at the filth around the ferry terminal in San Francisco? And while I'm at it, when I drove home, as I drove onto the Golden Gate Bridge, the road is a disgrace. It's like a fourth world road. Where have the hundreds of billions of dollars in money that's gone into the Golden Gate Transit District disappeared to? Why are the roads not paved on the Golden Gate Bridge? Where is the money? Who's stealing the money? Where is the money from the gasoline tax going, Governor Newsom? Where are all the tax dollars for the highways, Governor Newsom? How can you let an international icon like the Golden Gate Bridge be in such disrepair, Governor Newsom? There are so many questions to be asked that has nothing to do with that have nothing to do with Donald Trump. It has everything to do with greed and corruption. And San Francisco is public enemy number one when it comes to greed and corruption. I have never seen anything like this. You are driving businesses out of the city. Now, whether they're doing this on purpose is another question. I'm starting to ask myself if they're not making the city so dishospitable to small businesses that they all go out of business and leave in order to gobble up the stores and knock down the buildings and build high rises. I really don't know who is behind this, but something is wrong with the picture. That's a secondary story. But the big story is the debt. We have mismanagement in the cities. We have mismanagement on the federal level. And we, the stupid people, are being overrun by illegal aliens and we do nothing and say nothing about it. Why? How do you feel about this? Who would you blame? I know you can't say one word about Donald Trump. That's illegal. Right away, if I say, who do you blame, Trump or Congress or both, they call me a non-Trumper or a never-Trumper. You can go to hell with that statement. I'm the reason he's in the White House. And just because he's forgotten you doesn't mean I've forgotten you. And let me tell you something else. He ain't winning a second term without you. I don't care who says otherwise. And I don't care who's in this business. Without the Savage Nation audience, he is not winning again. I'll say that again. You are the independent conservatives out there. And without him, you don't, he doesn't win again. And whether his advisors, who are all Democrats, by the way, in case you don't know, you know who's advising him? The RNC and Democrats are now around him. That's why you never hear from him. That's why you see what is going on, because there's no criticism allowed. And let me tell you something, just as in a family, everybody needs healthy criticism, myself included. Savage. Do you really have time to go to the post office? I don't. Look, we're all busy. 
Do you have time for traffic, parking, lugging all your mail and packages? No. No, you don't. That's why you need Stamps.com, one of the most popular time-saving tools for small businesses. You see, Stamps.com eliminates trips to the post office and saves you money with discounts that you can't even get at the post office. Can you believe this? Well, you ought to, because Stamps.com brings all the amazing services of the U.S. post office right to your computer. Now, whether you're a small office sending invoices, an online seller shipping out products, or even a warehouse sending thousands of packages a day, that's right, Stamps.com can handle it all with ease. Simply use your computer to print official U.S. postage 24-7 for any letter, any package, any class of mail, anywhere you want to send. Once your mail is ready, just hand it to your mail carrier or drop it in a mailbox. It's that simple. No trip to the post office. With Stamps.com, you get $0.05 off every first-class stamp and up to 40% off priority mail. Not to mention, it's a fraction of the cost of those expensive postage meters. Stamps.com is a no-brainer, saving you time and money. It's no wonder over 700,000 small businesses already use Stamps.com. Now listen, right now my listeners get a special offer, which includes a four-week trial plus free postage and... Listen to this, a digital scale without any long-term commitment. You heard me right. All you got to do is go to stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in Savage Nation. Stamps.com, click on the mic at the top, type in Savage Nation. That's stamps.com, enter Savage Nation. We're talking about the 500-pound gorilla, not the 400-pound gorilla, which is the exploding national debt, the deficit spending, and no one seems to care about it. We heard nothing but about the debt under Obama. All we heard was Democrats have a formula of tax and spend. So what shall we say the formula for Republicans has become? Hmm, I know. Spend and spend. Not even tax and spend, but spend and spend. How does this end? Think of other nations that have gone belly up. That's how it ends. Well, aren't the, uh, uh, what do they call, tariffs supposed to be helping us with this? Well, how come it hasn't uh, kicked in yet? Well, what's going on here? How can we keep spending like this? If you buy a house you can't afford, the bank is going to take it back from you eventually. If you buy a Rolls Royce when you can only afford, it, afford a, a, a Toyota, you lose the Rolls Royce, don't you? This country is like a Rolls Royce without tires right now. And I want to know what you think about that. Why is this not an issue right now? I think it's the biggest issue there is. Now, you can blame anybody you want. It wouldn't matter to me. Blame anybody you want. But something is wrong. Something is wrong. And I'd like to know what you think about it. But why are we not talking about the most obvious problem that we have? Every family in this country has a budget. Am I correct or incorrect? Don't you budget your own family's money? What about your children? Don't you give them an allowance and tell them they can't spend more than you give them? So why should a country be any different? Now, what's intriguing to me is that the model that is being used for our government and its spending is identical to how American corporations are run, which is on deficit spending and on debt. Did you know that? Did you know that most corporations run on debt? They do not run on income. They run on debt. Did you know that? Did you know that most, most countries are bankrupt if you look at it from that point of view? They do not run a balance sheet that makes sense to me. I was raised differently. You could say, well, I'm from another time. Well, here's how I was raised. I told you my father was an immigrant. When he started, he had nothing, a push cart. He didn't end up a rich man. He ended up a middle-class guy, small house, attached brick house, one car, one vacation a year for the whole family. That was it. One, one income. His little story works seven days a week. But he would not buy a car that he couldn't afford. He said, that's cheating. So instead of buying a new car on credit, which was just coming into America at the time, he said, that's cheating. He said, no, I only buy what I can afford. So he'd buy a used car. But he owned the car. Do you understand? He owned it. He didn't want to have anything he didn't own. Now, of course, he had to get a mortgage for the little house that cost $14,000 at that time. But that was about it. He took nothing else on credit. Nobody bought furniture on credit. Nobody bought TVs on credit. You saved your money and you went on and you bought things. You say, well, that's crazy. If we did that today, nobody could live. Oh, yes, you could. 
but you wouldn't be at Disneyland punching other people in the face on your day off because you have all days off. See, with the welfare system, a lot of people have seven days a week off. No, they're off seven days a week. The government probably paid for the trip to Disneyland in order for, let's say, mental health relief. That's where all the money's coming from. Old Uncle Sam, meaning you, the moron, is paying for it all. The illegal aliens have never had it so good. In the third war that they're running from, they're sleeping in, in a mud hut or a chicken coop. The minute they get here, occasional cortex says that we're creating concentration camps because they don't have 600 thread sheets. And you buy that lie? Or we're putting the kids in cages? If it's so bad, why don't they stay where they are? <clears throat> and by the way, the horrible cages are better than they were under Obama, who built them. <clears throat> I'm so tired of the haters in Congress, the four of them. I pray Nancy Pelosi has the, the stamina and the brains to get rid of them because something's very bad in this country. When the Democrats are now run by these four hyenas who hate Jews, hate America, hate Trump, and hate everything good about this country, and uh, Pelosi can't seem to rein them in. Well, it's good in the, long, in the long run because the Democrats are losing the middle. They're losing the huge middle voter that I talk to every day on this show. But let's go to the callers right now. I promised you we'd get to the callers, and we are jammed up on this show. Lou in Connecticut, Line 8, thanks for calling. Lou, where are you in Connecticut? New Haven. Go on. Although, are you listening on stream or are you listening live on a station in New Haven? I'm listening on the Internet. Uh, All right. So you called about what? What's your, your call, Lou? Your, your, your assessment is going to break. It, but other than that, it's fine. Well, the family, Trump's family, I believe is his biggest Achilles heel. Uh, the the lid wing of that White House, if it did not exist, this man would excel. There'd be no limits. But Lou, let's go backwards. Did you vote for Donald Trump? I did. Uh, would you declare yourself to be a liberal who voted for Trump, or were you always sort of conservative? No, no, staunch conservative. I'm sorry, say that again? In the primary. I can't hear him, so somebody has to fix it, Robert. Speak up, say it again. I did not vote, I did not vote for him in the primary. Uh, so you're, you're, a Demo you're a Democrat then? No, no. I'm, I, well, I registered as a Republican to vote in the primary. But I always vote Republican. Uh, um, okay, so you're, you're a concerned. I got it. You're a regular Republican voter. You voted for Trump. You didn't vote for him in the primary, but when he won the primary, you voted for him. And you're saying you're disappointed in what's happening? In what area are you disappointed in? Immigration uh, situation for me is everything. We lose our sovereignty. We lose the Electoral College. We have nothing. It doesn't matter what uh, uh, claims are made, what achievements are claimed. If we... And even if he squeaks out a win in this next election, we're going to be left with nothing because the demographic change. And it's not a question of color. It's a question of ideology. Uh, so what, would you, what are you saying, in, in essence? What are you saying he needs to do to win your trust again? He needs not, under any circumstances, to sanction amnesty that Jared is working on with Lindsey Graham and the Democrats. So you fear, happen. wait, you fear that Lindsey Graham, who's always been the equivalent of McCain, a, a stealth Democrat, is, is going to give us, give them amnesty, all these illegal aliens? Is that your biggest fear? Yes, because we don't know the true number. Okay, so you're really into this immigration issue, as, as am I. So I want to ask you something. Two weeks ago, Trump declared he was going to start roundups, didn't he? That was a, an enormous mistake. Wait, he said he was going to start the roundups and deport millions of them, right? Then he gave them two weeks to get ready after signaling, and it was going to happen Monday. But I, it, today is Wednesday. Did it happen this week? Did I miss it? No. No. So it, what was that about? When, when are the roundups starting? The problem is, again, they're, they're the, when you hire lawyers from the swamp, you're going to get decisions made, made as though they came from the swamp. Not to mention, it's not something that's open border. But here's the problem. Here's the problem. You're not going to vote for a Democrat under any circumstance, are you? Absolutely not. I will. So, so where does that leave us? So they know this. They know that the Democrats are so crazy to the left that the base that elected Trump is going to vote for him again. That or... So Trump knows that because he's being advised by Republican National Committee members 
and Democrat pollsters who have said you don't have to worry about your base because they're not going to vote socialist. So you could do go go to the far as far left as you want. That's really what's going on here. Yes, they they, they he has no incentive to to stick to the promise because okay. the Democrats have gone. So you're going to vote for him. You're going to hold your nose and vote for him again. Probably. But if there's any, if there's amnesty, Michael, I got to tell you, I'll probably write in a candidate. I just interesting. Well, you say so. There is a final point at which you won't vote for him at all. And right. you're saying that if if this administration grants amnesty to these millions of illegal aliens, and does the opposite of what he was elected to do, you're out. That's it. I'm going to be out. By- I hear you. I hear your frustration. I understand what you're saying. Not like I'm deaf. Well, I'm going to send you a present for the summer, my uh, book. If you name it, you gain it. What's the book? I'm sending you a savage life. So stay on the line. Uh, Jim, please get this gentleman's particulars. We'll send him this great summer reading book, A Savage Life. And the phone number is 855-400-7282. What do you think about all of this? How do you feel about a an out-of-control deficit? How do you feel about the immigration explosion? How do you feel about the fact that more more people are coming in than under Obama? How do you feel about all? Now, you can blame the Dems, and you wouldn't be wrong. But what did we elect a Republican for? Was to fight the Dems. You can blame Robert Mueller. You wouldn't be wrong. But nevertheless, we the people are suffering right now. We have hundreds of thousands of bums laying in the gutters of New York, San Francisco, Chicago, Denver. I get reports from around the country that's the same everywhere. Businesses are going bankrupt from the violence in the streets of these cities that is being swept under the rug by the local and federal governments that does not want you to know about the crime wave. And there is a real crime wave. The police are not reporting the crimes. San Francisco reported 30,000 car break-ins a year are reported. How many are unreported? You've got gangs roaming the streets with crowbars, breaking windows at will. Stealing everything and anything, including the dashboards of the cars, taking anything they want. The police do not stop them. Do you know why the police do not stop them? If a cruiser goes by and sees one of these gangs breaking a window, they keep going. Do you know why? Because a cockamamie left-wing judge who belongs in jail will throw the case out. That's why. What would you do if you were a cop? What would you do if you were a cop? Would you stop and arrest the guy and then have the case thrown out? Why would you do it? You'd keep on going to the station house. So we have a a systemic problem that will not be fixed until the left-wing judges are thrown out of office. When is that ever going to happen with left-wing governors? Savage. We're talking about the number one story that is being swept under the rug by both parties which is the out-of-control debt and deficit spending. The deficit's 25% higher since the election. It's a very embarrassing figure because although we can blame the Democrats and the entitlement programs, such as, and I'll name them in the next hour, uh, I'm sorry, the, the buck stops here. Truman said famously, didn't Truman, President Truman famously say, the buck stops here? The president has, has enormous veto power. And we cannot keep spending like there's no tomorrow. Even if you're a social liberal and a fiscal conservative, which, by the way, many middle-of-the-road people in America are. They're not social conservatives. I have met many people in my lifetime who have said to me, you know, Savage, I listen to you. I don't agree with you on social issues, but I am a fiscal conservative. Where have all the fiscal conservatives gone? They've gone up in smoke or they're smoking too much dope. I don't know where they are. But there comes an end to everything. You can't keep spending like this. You know there's a federal department that's spending $100 billion a month? There is a federal department that is spending $100 billion a month. It's not the Defense Department. It's HHS, Health and Human Services, one of the greatest boondoggles in the history of the world. 61 million people get money from HHS. 61 million people get Medicare in one form or another. Now, what the hell is Medicare? Do you really think all these people need all of that medical care? How did generations of people get along without it? Do you know how many old people go to doctors all day long because they don't have to pay for it, not even copay? They have six doctors a week. They have one for the this, one for the that, one for the this, one for the that. There are Russians in this country 
I know this from 30 years ago. They'd come over here and say that everything that we were promised in communism and never got, we get here in America. Do you know that homeless bums are using ambulances for free at the end of the day to be taken to a hospital under Medicare? Did you know that the, the, the local governments have to provide it? You've got crashed out crack addicts on trains in San Francisco. When the last train stops somewhere on the end of the line, they pick up a cell phone, which they have, and they call an ambulance saying they're sick. An ambulance comes and takes this crashed out drug addict to a hospital. You know what that costs you, that one ride? You probably don't know. It could be stopped if we had someone in charge who said enough is enough. 61 million Americans are ripping the system off. It's getting out of control. $100 billion a month from one federal department. We're talking about the budget, if you don't mind, on the Savage Nation. Warning, the Savage Nation contains adult language, adult content, psychological nudity. Listener discretion is advised. And now, the world's most exciting podcast, The Savage Nation, home of borders, language, culture. And here he is, New York Times best-selling author and National Radio Hall of Fame inductee, Michael Savage. The main topic is still, how do you feel about a deficit 25% higher than when Trump took office? Who do you blame him, Congress both? Aren't we mortgaging our children's future, whether it's him or Congress? Did anything really change? The Democrats were said to be a party of tax and spend. So the Republicans are now a party of what? Spend and spend with no taxation of corporations? How does this end? Tell me how it ends. It's not going to end any differently than it would have if it was a Democrat, does it? Now, what is the number one thing bothering you about the America of today, irrespective of the topics that I am talking about? Let's begin in Ohio. Audrey, welcome to the program. What's your topic, please? Hi, Dr. Savage. Thank you for taking my call. Um, I grew up on you. I'm a huge fan. Um, I'm a millennial. How, let, let's start with that. How old are you now? I'm 23. So I've been in the business before you were born. Yes, I know. I started listening to you when I was about 15. My parents introduced you. And That's so interesting. This is a very interesting piece of Americana, what you're saying. You've listened to this show for a long time, and now what's bothering you? So I think what bothers me the most is the deficit as well as the taxes. So I'm an accountant. I just started my career as an accountant. Oh, very good. So I've, I've really studied his tax plan because it directly relates to my work. And it, it's just so disgusting how the, I feel like it's just really bad how the, the corporations get the lower tax rate. And then the American people, you know, the Eddies and Evas Eva, that you're always fighting for, it seems like we get the short end of the stick. Okay, let's talk about taxes for a minute, because I don't think people understand very well what actually happened with this. The biggest beneficiaries of Trump's tax plan are not the Eddies and the Ediths. I'm paying more, for example, yeah. and I'm not an average guy. I've worked all my life. I'm doing very well, but I'm getting it. It's very bad what's happened to me in California, because they don't let you deduct state taxes from the feds anymore. It's terrible what it's done to us, but I'm not alone in this. But what about the average person? Are they paying less or more? I mean, I consider myself the average person because I just started my career and I'm paying a lot, like more than I anticipated. And you're an accountant, but you're saying, are you paying more than you would have uh, before the Trump tax plan? Exactly, exactly. I did the calculation. Well, what, why would you pay more? You're not, what are you making, about 50000 a year, 70000 a year? A 50, roughly. All right, so you're, paying, you're making 50. It's just about okay, fine, good. You worked hard, you went to college. You're paying more than you would have before the tr the Trump tax plan? Yes, absolutely. How so? Just in terms of the uh, what's withheld every month. So you feel screwed by the Trump tax plan? Oh, completely, because that money being withheld, that I could take and invest and get interest on it, but it's being withheld, and I'm only going to get a portion of that back. And my tax return was lower than I thought it would be when I got it, my taxes done in April. Oh, you mean the amount of money that you got back? Yes. So on both. So well. So wait a minute. So you feel deceived? I mean, what I'm hearing from you is you feel like it was sleight of hand. 
absolutely deceived. It's it's really disheartening because I work really, really hard. I work very long hours. You know what's interesting about this call? You're a Republican. You grew up on the Savage Nation. Your parents were probably Republicans. You're a Midwesterner. You're a millennial. You're an accountant. You're an educated woman. You make 50000 a year. You're paying more in taxes than you would have if Trump didn't write the tax plan. And you feel the only beneficiaries were his friends in the big corporations. That's what you're saying, right? Precisely. Precisely. Do you know that everything I just said to you is illegal to say on the conservative radio band? Did you know that? I don't mean actually illegal. You realize the minute you say anything like that, they call you a never-Trumper, even though people like me are the reason he's in office? Do you realize that? Well, that's why I turn off the beach whale. I'm not interested in hearing his lies. Wow. Yeah, but come on. Realistically, you're not going to vote for one of the commies, though, are you? I, I, I would never vote for one of them, but I just don't. I think perhaps I won't vote. Uh, now, now I, I want everyone to set this in stone, what this young woman just said. I have repeated this for several months now. Not often, or perhaps not often enough. I have said that there are countless people like this young woman who are the reason that Donald Trump was elected to begin with. They are the ones who put him over the finish line by the, let's say, the hair of a nose of a rabbit. And they're not going to vote for the Democrats ever, but they're just going to sit the election out unless he does get the, the budget under control and get immigration under control. Fundamentally, that's the summation, is it not? Exactly. And I couldn't agree more with what you were saying about the deficit. Uh, and we need to honestly cut the, all the money that's go, going out of the country for no good reason. You mean the foreign, the foreign aid kind of stuff, for example? Or, or do you mean the people from Central America who are working uh, in the black market, making money, being paid cash, who pay no taxes, who are sending money home by uh, Western Union, should be paying a, a transfer fee? What's wrong with a transfer fee on every transfer? I agree with that. I think it's a great idea. <clears throat> if, if the government were to step in and say we're charging a 5% transfer fee on every Western Union transfer out of the country, and that money went right into the Treasury... That would help an awful lot, wouldn't it? Of course it would. Well, why are they not doing it? You see, you have to ask yourself, why is the government not doing it? it we're not controlling the borders. They are overrunning the border. We're not uh, putting a transfer fee on the, on the transfers. Why? Something's not adding up here. Something doesn't add up. We're supposed to have a Republican Senate and a Republican president, and yet we're not getting any of the Republican policies that we want. It seems like we're getting nothing, and I know that you said we'd, if we can get at least 10% of what we elected him to do, that that would in itself be a win. I don't even think we've gotten that, Dr. Savage. I Ooh. Now, that's a pretty scathing accusation. Don't dare say that to uh, uh, the Rush, the Rushites. <laughs> All right, look, I, I would like things to be different, and I try my best to make a difference. Audrey, I'm so honored that you called in many ways because it's a wake-up call to those listening to this show that there are many millennials out there like this young woman from Ohio who grew up listening to conservative talk radio, voted for Donald Trump, and are disappointed because of immigration and taxation. Audrey, I'm sending you a savage life. I know you're going to love it. Take it to the beach. Take it to a lake. Thank you so much for calling. And make sure you call again. Will you do that, Audrey? Yeah, I hope she calls again. That's so nice to hear that. What would you say? Well, I got time for another quick call here. New York, Chuck, welcome, Line 9. Chuck, what's on your mind today? Hi, Dr. Savage. Um, listening to your voice and the fear and frustration of other voices, uh, what strikes me is the, your prescience in uh, recognizing that the Democrats lit a fuse decades ago, and right now everybody's walking on eggshells, afraid of who's going to uh, assassinate the Archduke of... Uh, Archduke Ferdinand and be the first one to throw the first stone and precipitate what you wrote in your book, The Coming Civil War. Yeah, I Everybody's afraid. I got, I, got the co I got the coded message just now. I hear you. Sorry? I got, the, I got the whole coded message that you just put out on the airwaves. Oh. I mean, you spoke in generalities, but I hear what you're saying. Yeah, because everybody is afraid. You know, um, the federal government is in charge oversees the uh, 50 states, and federal laws oversee state laws. So every, all these governors and mayors of sanctuary city, cities should be in jail. Uh, politicians... It's interesting you should say that, because we learned under Obama 
We learned under Obama, when states try to assert their rights, that immigration law was set by the federal government. They said, no, 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 to the governors, you can't do that. You can't set up voting uh, uh, ID, nothing. The federal government controls immigration. We were told that under Obama. Well, if that is true, then Trump should arrest the mayors of sanctuary cities. That's what I'm. Isn't there enough room for, let's say, 50 cells somewhere in America for mayors of sanctuary cities? How hard would it be to send in federal marshals and arrest them? That's what I'm saying. You lit the, they lit the fuse years ago and terrified everybody to do something about it. Because actually, if, uh, if you think about it, the, uh, all of the politicians who lied about uh, when they took their oath of office about supporting the Constitution, Democrats and Republicans have been lying like crazy, and they should be arrested too. And that's the point. Everybody has been terrified to actually enforce the Constitution, enforce the laws, and... Um, yeah, you know, what you're saying is extremely <laughs> radical. You're saying that we should arrest elected officials because they lied to us. Yeah, they you know. all lied, but nobody's uh, got the courage. But isn't, doesn't the word politician mean paid liar? Doesn't the word politician, by definition, mean someone who lies to you with skill? Show me a rich politician, I'll show you a crook. Show me a poor politician, I'll show you a stupid crook. Well, that could be, too. I'm joking. That's why. All right, I'm going to send you a savage life. You're never going to see the mayors of sanctuary cities where they belong, which is in prison. But they should be in prison. You will see, you will see a difference if that happened. If Trump were to say, we're giving you 30 days to end your sanctuary city policies, you're violating federal law. We set federal law at the federal level. I don't care what a cockamamie judge in Hawaii says or not. You stop that right now or we're putting you in prison. I can guarantee you as I sit here, they would stop it right now because they're all terrified of what might happen, and no Trump is just liable to do it. So he has the power to do it, but you got to ask yourself why he isn't doing it. You know, I go around the city, and I walk around the city, and I look at homeless, and I look at business people. I actually try to get a, a reading with my stethoscope of what's going on. And the one thing that I ask myself repeatedly is, the number one demographic in America being affected by the illegal aliens are the ones we never hear from, who are the hardworking african-americans in this country the african-americans who are working and trying to make a living honestly in this country are the ones who are being hit hardest by the illegal aliens did you know that how come we haven't heard jesse jackson al sharpton they don't even speak for the black people anymore they're a bunch of con men no one goes to them for anything anymore they're entities unto themselves uh you know i often see democrats all have to go to dinner with al sharpton in some restaurant in harlem when they declared themselves. Remember that embarrassment of sitting down with him somewhere up in Harlem? Do you know that the following of the Savage Nation is larger by probably a hundredfold than Al Sharpton has? Do you know that I can deliver more votes than Al Sharpton can by about a hundredfold? How come Republicans don't come to this show to meet you, the audience? Can anyone explain that? I'm going to repeat that again before I take my break. How many votes do you think Al Sharpton can actually deliver to a Democrat candidate? I don't know the number. I would say I can deliver at least a 100 times more than he can deliver, and yet not, not a single Republican will dare come on this show. Why is that? I'll let you figure it out. Savage. Read my lips, no new immigrants. Oh, wait, I mean $4.1 billion for them. And we're rounding them up next, uh, next week. I mean in two weeks. I mean in two days. Come on. Are you kidding me? Are you joking? I mean, who's pulled the wool over your eyes here? What are you, joking? At what point do you say enough is enough? The spending is out of control, the immigration is out of control, and you're sitting and telling me you're worried about socialism. If this isn't socialism, what is? What does it look like? Tell me what it looks like. $100 billion a month spent on uh, on what, Social Security? And how much of it is fake disability claims, SDSI? Go and look at Disneyland, how many people are rolling around in fake uh, electric chairs there that are not even sick. You ever go to Southwest Airlines and see them on the chairs? It looks like Lord's Cathedral. They all got an attendant pushing them on the plane. Yet when the plane lands, all of a sudden, they, they knock you out of the way. They, suddenly, they throw away the crutches and the chairs, and they're rushing out of the door. Are you joking? You're telling me there's no cheaters out there? No, I don't believe it. That's all. Not at all. Um, yeah, I started listening to you in uh, 2014, Labor Day. You said that it was like the 4th of July, I'll never, like New Year's Eve. I'll never forget that. Really quickly, I'm still a registered Democrat, unfortunately, but 
I put the man in office. I helped do that. There's a lot of us out there who don't like what's going on. We're conscious. We're aware. We're not going to be second-class citizens to the illegal immigrants. It's straight up. I'm not paying for health care from Gavin Newsom. Do you Newsom. agree with wait, wait, you, are you saying, wait, are you repeating, I mean, are you confirming what I said, that immigration is hurting African Americans the worst? What do you think? You think you know what the word sanctuary city means? It means that they get pulled over and they get a phone call for someone to come get the car. When I get, hello? No, I'm listening to you. I, I, I'm trying to understand why I'm the only one who sees what's going on. I mean, you don't have to agree with me on many things, but I do see things as they are. I mean, it's called truth and common sense. And I don't understand, like you say, in Oregon, they're going to allow immigrants to get a driver's license and the people who actually live there and pay taxes don't get a vote. Like, you heard that last week? They passed the law, these skunks, these criminals, these bastards under that corrupt mayor. So the governor now has a law going in which says in the law granting licenses to illegal aliens that the citizens may not vote on this issue. Can you believe this? No, in fact, between you and... But are we, are we far behind here in California in terms of a one-party system that is totally and absolutely authoritarian? Are we any different? We need something else. And like what you're saying with the sanctuary city thing, like this is, it's, it's, it's crazy. It's, it's retarded. And by the way, I work in San Francisco. 300 Hyde is not the dirtiest street. It happens to be O'Farrell. O'Farrell and Larkin is the dirtiest part in the country right now. Like it's, it's well, I, I went to the Embarcadero yesterday to have a, a quick meal. I had been to a Korean place down there that I love. You know, nobody was in the restaurant because the bums have taken over the plaza. I go up to North Beach. I'm sorry to tell you, the Italian district, you know the city very well. Do you know that half the Italian restaurants are gone or they're going out of business because of the bums and the dirt? Tourists are not going there anymore. Do you know that? I no, I didn't. I thought they were trying to keep North Beach clean because it's so close to the financial district. And I know that. Well, they're not though. It's it's a cesspool. It's like a sewer pipe. <laughs> you know what I don't understand is why don't the owners of the restaurants do what's done in other cities, like put a hose out in the street every morning, wash the street down. Where are the old wa street washing machines that used to exist? Savage. speak with the author of a book called The Siege of Tel Aviv by Hash Keston. Now, it's a novel, and Stephen King says that the novel is scarier than anything Stephen King ever wrote, and then the fun begins as Israel fights back. It's about uh, all the Jews who survive an attack by the Arabs are herded into uh, Tel Aviv. And what is done to them, the six million Jews who survive, the entire surviving Jewish population searches desperately for food and water. Arab control of Israeli airspace and access from the sea has been cut off of the city and sealed its doom. And that's the novel. It's, it's, it's a panicky novel. All right, so it's a novel written by a man who was in the IDF. He now lives in America. He's a citizen of both the U.S. and Israel. But here's something that happened. The book, The Siege of, Israel, of Tel Aviv, was pulled by its publisher, after critics who had not read the book denounced it as racist and Islamophobic on Twitter. Joining us now is the author, Hesh Keston. Mr. Keston, welcome to the Savage Nation. Uh, are you there? It's a pleasure to be on. I don't know uh, what I can say that would add to your summary. It was perfect. But why did they pull the book? Who actually called it anti-Arab, anti-Islam? Uh, a, a, uh, a week after uh, publication of the book, which was in preparation for two years with a an independent uh, uh, boutique publisher, a quality publisher, that had published two of my earlier books uh, called Zank, D-Z-A-N-C. Uh, that name will go down in uh, publishing history, uh, not illustriously. Um, uh, a week after, uh, 13 uh, people on Twitter who may actually have been fewer than 13 people on Twitter, uh, uh, because Twitter is anonymous, uh, complained that the book was Islamophobic, uh, racist, and thus should be pulled from the shelves. Uh, but why was it racist? Because you didn't speak highly of Arabs in the book? Is that it? Well, they wouldn't know because they didn't read the book. Uh, this but you yourself, wait, this is very important for people to know. You served in the Israeli Defense Forces, even serving under Arab commanders, correct? Yes, yeah, one a Christian, one a Christian, and one a, one a Muslim. 
Yeah, okay, and your book includes Arab heroes. So why did the publisher yield to these 13 anonymous Nazis? Because uh, uh, the, uh, uh, his moral backbone uh, had all the integrity of an, out- uh, of an outhouse in a thunderstorm. Um, all right, I get it. So let me, look, we don't have a lot of time. I want people to buy your book. It's called The Siege of Tel Aviv. So, okay, your fantasy nightmare is what? How did the Arabs actually beat the Israelis to get to take over Tel Aviv? Uh, take over the. Um, uh, uh, I, I was already a citizen of Israel. I was born here uh, in uh, 1973 when uh, they almost did it. Uh, uh, and uh, that was, that was uh, quite a shock to the Israeli system. Uh, uh, yeah, but could, do you think the Arab armies, if they got together, do you think the Arab armies, if they got together, could defeat Israel today? I, I don't know, but I know that no, uh, no paradise lasts forever, uh, and uh, Israel wow. to, uh, to continue its, uh, its its existence, not not even to flourish, but simply to exist. Uh, must keep that in mind all the time. You know, that's a, an amazing statement that you just made, no paradise lasts forever. And by demographics, meaning the birth rate of Arabs versus Jews, isn't it inevitable that Israel will be reabsorbed into the desert? Arab birth rate, uh, certainly within Israel and also in uh, in the West Bank and uh, in Gaza, is falling as we speak. I mean, you can almost hear it falling. Uh uh, the West Bank is moving from uh, an agricultural uh, uh, country to a uh, let's, not an industrial country, but a less agricultural country. They don't need all those hands, uh, and uh, for that reason, they don't they don't have to produce so many children. Uh, Israeli Arabs themselves uh, have pretty much the same birth rate as Israeli. Uh, that's so it's, 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 well, wait a minute. On the positive note, isn't it true that in time people tend to get less crazy? Meaning, aren't the Arabs tired of hating? Don't they also want to make a living? Uh, no, and that is uh, that. I think is the uh, is the is the principal error. Uh, the uh, Arab societies, uh, uh, most notably in the, the West Bank and in Gaza, where they have uh, total control, are interested not. In the benefit and welfare of their citizens, they are interested in the benefit and welfare of the leadership. Uh, Mahmoud Abbas is now in his, I believe, it's the fifteenth year of a four-year term. Uh, these people. Uh, yeah, but wait. To be fair, is Netanyahu in office for what? How many years now? He has been voted into office. <laughs> no, no I mean, but I'm saying he's been there for. You need term limits in Israel. I think some people would say you need term limits. He's a great guy, but you know everyone should everyone should have a limit. Uh, Maybe, but uh, there there are there are no limits to anything in terms of political power in the Arab world. The Arab world, uh, the Muslim world, uh, to go further, is uh, uh, is based on uh, uh, autocracy, suppression of rights and uh, one idea, and that idea is the people in charge need to remain in charge. So the, you, you basically express these opinions in your novel, The Siege of Tel Aviv. Actually, I, I, I don't. I simply said this could happen, uh, led by uh, Iran, uh, which provides the intelligence uh, helped out by the, uh, uh, by the Russians uh, oh. in uh, in. Uh, in uh, putting together a, a, a plan that that that, that could work, uh, I had a uh, uh, a good friend in, in Israel who uh, uh, who was a former lieutenant general, and he was the head of uh, uh, intelligence, army intelligence during the Six Day Wars. That was uh, Arlie Ariv, and he told me uh, when we talked, he said, "Would that we had more novelists in army intelligence." Uh, because uh, I mean, in other words, people who are able to project the fantasy of what might happen rather than b- just being number number crunches. Music. In other people with imagination. In other words, well, they're they're lack they're lacking everywhere you turn. I don't care where it is. They have people with no imagination in most government uh, positions, and that includes the military. So, getting back to your novel for the few minutes we have left, the Siege of Tel Aviv by Hesh Keston. Keston, K-E-S-T-I-N, the siege of Tel Aviv. So what happens when the Arabs conquer the, the Israeli army and knock out the Israeli Air Force? They then, in your novel, they herd all of the surviving Jews into Tel Aviv. Is that what your premise is? Attack, you could say blitzkrieg. In fact, uh, 
the the entire blueprint uh, is actually based on uh, uh, the, the Nazi conquest of uh, uh, of its neighbors and its uh, suppression of uh, of any liberties and its uh, uh, its hatred of Jews. Uh, what they do is they lock all the uh, they they uh, they move all the uh, the Jews to Tel Aviv, which becomes ghetto Tel Aviv. Uh, uh, people are starving. Uh, they're eating grass in the parks, and uh, uh, no one is coming to their aid, uh, including the U.S. Which uh, why in your novel is the U.S. not coming to the aid of Israel? That's an interesting. How did you work that out? Well, it, you know, every every American government is is based on its own survival. Uh, yes. It's true that the roots of American democracy are very deep, but it's also true that uh, every White House wants to stay in power. This was an election year. Hmm. There was unemployment. Uh, nobody wanted to see uh, the, the party in power, which I do not designate. Uh, mm-hmm. They're both the same. In the- All right, so you project a time that this could happen, and it certainly could. And so Tel Aviv is now surrounded, concentrated, a starving ghetto. U.S. and West sit by. The Muslim army is interesting. You say Muslim, M-O-S-L-E-M, instead of Muslim. That's interesting. Why do you use the word Muslim or the spelling Muslim instead of Muslim? Well, here's the, here's the joke. Uh, in the editing of this book, uh, Muslim, M-O-S-L-E-M, is considered to be uh, wrong-headed, even though there's an American society of Muslims, there's a society of um, association of American Muslims, spelled M-O-S-L-E-M. Uh, but the new left has it that uh, this is a colonial term, and it must be spelled M-U-S-L-I-M. My editor, the same editor who uh, helped torpedo the book that she herself uh, uh, brought into, uh, into, into birth, um, uh, told me that this was the case. And I said, fine, we'll spell it M-U-S-L-I-M. When it came to the cover and the, uh, uh, and the uh, author's preface, uh, she did not make the changes. <laughs> okay, so it, says, uh, it still says Muslim. Well, I recommend that people... I, I have one last question. The book is The Siege of Tel Aviv by Hesh Keston. You have a huge blurb by Stephen King. How did you get to know Stephen King? That's an interesting story, I suppose. Uh, it's, uh, it's interesting largely because Stephen King is a, real, uh, a really good guy. He read uh, one of my early books, uh, and we've become friends since then. The book is actually... No, but, wait, but look, let me call you if I can, Hesh. Hesh. Yes, please. You mean spontaneously he read one of your books and contacted you? Yes, that's right. And he bought five. He bought five books, uh, three for his uh, uh, for his children and uh, two for his. Uh, you know, after twenty nine books, no author in America has ever said, "Savage, you're great. I bought your books. You want to meet? Never. Is, you're a lucky guy." Is is Stephen King is is just a standout, mostly in the oh. arts, people. Say I suffered, you're going to suffer. I'm not. Yeah, gonna... but Stephen King is a liberal, a very far left guy politically, and yet he still supported your book, which is certainly not a leftist view of the war of this uh, Middle East situation, is it? I don't think it's a rightist uh, uh, view. I think it's uh, it's a it's it's a realistic political view of what's going on. But certainly, he's uh, uh, I don't know what what I how I uh, he's uh, he's what 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 we call in political circles a mensch. Uh, he looks at things without uh, uh, mm. without uh, any sense of distortion. Well, I want to recommend again, since we're hitting up against the time clock here, The Siege of Tel Aviv by Hesh Keston. There's a lot more that could be said, and the best thing to do is for people to buy it. Where can they buy it? Anywhere they can get it on Amazon. You're you're you're, you're right. You're right on the button. Uh, you just got such a great publicity out of me because I really care about things, Thanks. and I care I care about novels. I've written a few myself that uh, that uh, people don't even remember, and this is a hell of a book. <laughs> But enjoy the book. But the siege of Tel Aviv is a frightening book because it can happen there. Hesh Keston, I wish you the best of luck. Stay in touch. Savage. It's easy to say the Democrats did it. He inherited a huge bloated budget, which he did. Some are fixed in cement, which they are. The uh, spending on Social Security and Medicare, for example, I don't think he can touch it. And so we're in trouble here. Can the country be saved at all? Is there anyone who could save this country? When you have a budget like this that is spending $100 billion a month in one 
department of this government? A hundred billion dollars a month. Did you know that it was that big? A hundred billion, not a hundred million. One branch of the government is now spending a hundred billion dollars a month. And it's not the military, as occasional cortex and the other haters of America would say. It is the boondoggle called HHS. That's Medicare and Medicaid. $100 billion a month. So the next time you see people at Disneyland during a day while you're working, rolling around and having a good time, you'll know they're there because they're collecting every which way to Sunday. You can guarantee they're not working. I can guarantee you a lot of these people are not working over there in Disneyland. Doesn't mean everyone there is a bum, but a lot of them are. They have time off. They're off seven days a week. The next time you see someone on a line in a supermarket with food stamps and the husband's waiting outside with a Mercedes, you'll know that that's a result of the largesse of the federal government. The next time you hear a neighbor boasting about the amount of money they're collecting from SDSI for disabled people, and they're not even disabled, and that could be anybody, by the way, you'll know that they're ripping the government off. The next time you see a retired cop or fireman or someone like that who has claimed disability in the last months of their career because they padded their their salary in the last few months before disability was claimed and they're making a couple hundred thousand dollars a year, you'll know they're ripping the system off worse than the drug dealers that they were supposedly arresting. So listen, it's corrupt from top to bottom and there is a way to fix it and that is to crack down. Is the government doing it? I don't think so. So we have a deficit, we have a budget imbalance that's out of control, and who do you blame, Congress, Trump, or both? Well, I'll let you figure it out. And then we're talking about the immigration problem. Many people called today and said that they voted for Donald Trump for one reason, and that was to get control of the immigration thing. And by the way, this is true amongst, pardon me, Hispanics in the country as well. Most Hispanics who are in this country vehemently want illegal immigration controlled i have spoken with them it doesn't matter why they don't want them coming here and there's a number of reasons for it some self-serving as are all uh, decisions based on self-serving interests uh but um a great number of people want the illegal immigration stop because they never wanted to live in the country they ran away from plain english they want to live in the country they came to not the country they ran from tell that to uh, occasional cortex Tell that to the ill Omar. Tell that to the hater Talab. Tell that to the four girls who are trying to take down Nancy Pelosi, and Pelosi seems to be losing the battle. See, Pelosi's only tough with old white men. She's real tough with old white men, but she doesn't have a chance when it comes to these women who are tearing her to shreds. She doesn't seem to be able to stand up to them. Isn't that interesting? You know, that should be a topic for tomorrow, I guess, which is how come Pelosi has such a rugged personality when it comes to old white men or Republicans and puts them regular basis. But she has nothing to say about, let's see, a Muslim from Somalia who seems to hate America every day, um, etc. You know the picture of the four of those women who are ripping her to shreds. They're not afraid of her at all. What do they know that we don't know? Why are they not afraid of Pelosi? And why are the Republican men so afraid of Pelosi? That's another question. The Westwood One Podcast Network.